you live in a unique time in American history because this is the fourth turning and we're going to determine whether what was bequeathed to us is what we passed down or it's going to be something radically different. My friends, we are here in Washington, D.C. We're here actually for a dinner in honor of Bishop Athanasius Schneider from Kazakhstan, who came to the United States, is doing a tour of the United States. And very interestingly, a dinner was held for him, hosted by none other than Steve Bannon of The War Room, whom I know you all know. And it was a very interesting dinner. It was all sorts of people in media and promote the faith and everything else. And it was momentous. It was a, a, a dinner not only to honor the bishop, but also to have a war room. And uh, that's no surprise, considering the host. And we've got that host right here on this episode of The John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Steve Bannon, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me, John. Thank you, and thank you for coming tonight to the dinner. It is an honor. It's an honor. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are here in the Hay Adams Hotel, which is directly across from the White House. It's a historic place, beautiful place, and uh, it's very appropriate for... Uh, St. John's, where it was burned, remember it had burned and it had uh, during the BMF, BLM riots of June. It's, it's the president's church, is where the president always attends on the morning of his inauguration, since I think, I think Madison and Jefferson, and, you know, time immemorial. It's been, and of course, it was spray painted, burned, trashed by the anarchist. And this building, Hay Adams, I think was the home. John Hayes, well, Hay was the secretary at 21 years old, I think, of Abraham Lincoln. And then later became Secretary of State, one of the wealthiest men in the country. And this is the, the home that became uh, the hotel later. Wow. Historic. It, indeed. A lot of big events here. And this, I think, was a big event. What inspired you to hold a dinner for Bishop Schneider? And what inspired you to vote or to, to invite those whom you invite? Well, Bishop Schneider is, as you know, a, a kind of a historic figure right now in, in the church, particularly among traditional Catholics from Kazakhstan of a German family, you know, came through communism. It's just the, the life story is just amazing of the uh, of what the family had a sacrifice to, to, to keep the faith and to pass the faith down. And he's such a humble, um, you know, deeply spiritual man, but he is in his own humble way, one of the great voices in the church for uh, what I would call the tradition, the tradition, the traditionalism in the church, Latin mask and mass and pre-Vatican II, uh, really the syllabus of errors back to the, to the 19th century, you know, pre-modernity. 
And uh, I felt he was going to, he was in town and he was going to come by and we've had him in the war room for a special episode, take an entire hour. And I said, you know, with Alexander Preate and some of the people that I work with, why don't we try to have, we're in a spiritual war. Let's have a spiritual war council and let's, let's invite 25 or 30 of the, the people that are really out there dedicated in media and in, in social activism and putting things together that really have a sense and can use the wisdom of the bishop in an evening of just kind of free give and take. And so I, I was, I was, I was stunned that we got the 25 people we could get. So it was, and I told the bishop before he came, there gonna be many people at this dinner that are very spiritual and very religious. And then there'll be some warriors <laughs> that are, they're warriors too, but there'll be some, some, some guys that need some prayers. So I count myself in that, but I think, I think the dinner was everything that I hoped. I thought it was a great exchange and people like yourself, we had so many great people there and the free give and take. And I think quite frankly, the reality of where we are. Would you mind if I asked you to give our audience a glimpse of Steve Bannon? You've had a rough life. You've had a lot of things happen to you. Um, oh, I've had an easy life. <laughs> I've had a rough life. Bishop Schneider had a rough life. Come on. I, I, you know, anyone raised in the Catholic Church, I was the last of that. I think I'm the last, not just generation, I, I think I'm the actual end of the Latin Mass altar boys. When I became an altar boy, Latin Mass, and then all of a sudden, bang, Vatican II came in. So no, I had a you know blue-collar Irish Catholic family. It's the best. I mean, you brought up in a church in the heyday of the church in the 1950s and the 1960s before everything hit it. So no, my life's been very, very easy. And you know, people say, oh, the stuff you're going through with Trump, that's, that's nothing. There's nothing compared to what's going to happen. You know, Tom Williams, a good friend of mine, just wrote an incredible book. Uh, Tom's the head of Breitbart uh, Rome and a t fantastic guy wrote a book on the coming persecution of the church where he, he makes a case that it's going to be worse than the first century. In fact, today it's actually worse than the first century persecutions and probably going to be greater than the great persecution. So uh, the, the, the trials and tribulations going through the world, my, my life is very easy and doing the war rooms easy because I have people like you and the bishop and just there's so many great voices and so many dedicated people. We just have the platform. People come on. I think the reason people love the show is we get so many great voices that don't get a chance to go on bigger platforms and people just, you know, gravitate to that. And, and so it's, I got an easy job and I've had a very easy life. If someone asks you, why are you Catholic? What would you say? First, I was born Catholic, you know, baptized. That's, that gives, I mean, tonight at the dinner, what really impressed me is they asked who the converts were and some of the most dedicated people, I didn't even know they were converts, some of the most dedicated people in this of their Catholicism were converts. My grandmother, who very much our faith is, was around our, our father and also our mother, but his mother was a Southern Baptist and to marry his dad, she converted and she became the toughest daily mass communicant I mean Catholic and I mean six o'clock mass she she was she was the most dedicated Catholic I ever met and I think that permeated the entire family so I was born and baptized a Catholic and then you know the the, the churches was the center of our life right and we weren't churchy I mean we were very into the church some families were very very into the church we were obviously you know altar boys choir boys everything around in, in the church and uh 
I was fortunate enough to go to Catholic school with the Benedictine nuns, grammar school, and then I went to a Catholic military boys, boys school run by Benedictine monks. Then later I went to graduate school at Georgetown when it was still Catholic, right, with the Jesuits. So, no, I've been, I've been very fortunate, very fortunate in having so many great friends that were Catholic and just the, the spirit of Catholicism. But very lucky to be raised post-war 1950s, 1960s, we saw all the massive changes. In fact, the FBI report that came at Richmond, I think targeted uh, our parish. The, the, I went to, we had a abbey or a, a church associated with the, with the military school, St. Benedict's, and we went there. We also had a parish near us, St. Paul's we went to. But as soon as they authorized Latin Mass in the 70s, in our diocese, B Bishop Sullivan did, my, my parents were one of the ones that helped, took a, there was a, a couple of Benedictine monks that actually formed St. Joseph's, which became a Tridentine uh, Latin Mass. My dad was always very much focused on the Latin Mass. And so that FBI report in Richmond, I think from the Richmond field office, because the, as, as, as great as the Catholic parishes were, St. Joseph's, which was a traditional Latin Mass, people from all over the state would come. I mean, the masses were packed. When other parishes were having a tough time filling the churches, this little church, they would come because the only place in Virginia at the time that had a Latin Mass all over. And of course, you get there and they get five, six, seven, eight, nine kids. I mean, it's the hobbits. It's, it's the deplorables. Super patriotic, super dedicated, most of them blue collar or lower white collar, just incredible families, incredible dedication. So many kids went to the Naval Academy, uh, became Marines, fought in the Iraq and Afghan war. Just, it's just incredible. I mean, it's the, 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 the backbone of American societies right there. So I was, I had a very easy life and, uh, been very blessed to be, have so many great influences. That's one of the things, I mean, a lot of people of your generation, raised Catholic, even in good Catholic homes, abandoned the faith for probably a multiplicity of reasons, but they were enamored with a nouveau. They still call it Catholicism, but you've referred to it as anti-Catholicism. What kept you from going there? Well, you have to remember, I think, I think a lot of people that are Catholics during a certain part of their life may not be as... Uh, and I don't want to say Catholic, maybe is not church attending as they were when they were younger. But I think a lot of those people come back to the church eventually. Um, I, I, th I think it's just, it depends on, on, on your family and your environment and, and, and how you're raised. I think that's, you know, what the church means to you. Exceptionally, look, I'm not, people tell you, I'm not particularly churchy. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I pr profess my faith hopefully in, in different ways through my actions. Um, but I think people, each person has their own journey of what they're going to do, right? Particularly in the modern world. That's why I'm so not obsessed, but you go back to the 19th century church and the syllabus on errors, and Cortez and I have talked about this on the show. If you look at the great popes of the 19th and early 20th century, I mean, they foresaw what was going to happen in the 20th century. They saw what was going to happen with modernity. And particularly the kind of drifting away and people, um, um, you know, this atomization of society that was going to happen through technology. They saw this and, the, and they prophesized it and said they remember they took an oath to, against modernity that the Vatican Council II took away. So I think each person's got to be on their own journey. And I think eventually if you particularly the 
one thing I've found in, in, in more Catholic reading is the depth of the thinking of the church. Right? If you look at the music and the art and, and everything associated with the great intellectuals and the, and the desert fathers and the fathers of the church, there's so much intellectual depth that you can spend your time, you know, really getting a deeper understanding and belief in your faith. It's, that's very, very powerful. So and I think most people come back to it over time. You've been a lot, you've been involved in politics an awful lot. And it's, it's sometimes a hard sphere for people of faith to get into, to understand, to try and even see a way forward in. What would you suggest on that score? Because it's one where we need to be involved. We need to be involved politically. How do we get there? How do we even start? It seems like an insurmountable mountain right now. It's, you know, it's like looking at a cliff, not even a mountain. It's not easy. I mean, we're, we're, that's why I think people of faith have got to get involved. And I don't think you can have, oh, I can just have my spiritual life, and particularly in these times, because I think we're very close or on the edge of the possibility, not just a secular society. And Tom Williams said this on the show, he talked about his book. We've gone from a Christian nation, or believing in the Judeo-Christian, the tenets of the Judeo-Christian West, to a post-Christian country, now to an anti-Christian. And like he said, there's two types of persecution. There's the white persecution, which is the oppression, right? The soft persecution. And then there's going to be the red. You're, I, I think we see our society and culture collapsing all around us. And so I think it's for people of faith have got to get involved in politics. And politics is not pleasant. It's, it's, it's oftentimes not fun. It's very, um, you know, nitty gritty and grubby. And it has... Um, you're going to have a lot of grease underneath your fingernails. And there's a lot of things in politics that are going to offend you as a Christian and as a Catholic. But I think you have to make that sacrifice in order for us to, in a democratic society, you know, come to grips with a lot going on. If we don't, if you just are going to sit there and have your own life in your own parish life, that's clearly a decision. That's your own decision as a, as a free individual in this country. But we are going to lose the country that way. You have to get involved. And you have so many people engaged that was around the table tonight, so many people involved in Catholic um, activities, right? But all of the, even ones in the Catholic activities are saying we have such a political, you know, firestorm going on right now that you have to, you have to, uh, you have to get engaged. So I would tell everybody, particularly people who come to your site, which I think, as I've told you, not just for news about life, but really news. You guys do such a great job of breaking news and, and analyzing things that are going on. I mean, no offense, if you can go to LifeSite News and read it and be comfortable, I don't need to do anything, let me go play golf. That You can't. You just read it and you go, I, I got to get involved here. What can I do? And it's not about giving dollars. It's not about being a donor. It's about getting engaged. And I think if enough of the hobbits get engaged, we'll turn this thing around. But we're in a, we're in a fight. And you don't know which way it's going to come out. It's going to be all determined in the next five or 10 years. And people, I think, and the, and the bishop said tonight, I keep telling people, you live in a unique time in American history because this is the fourth turning. and we're, we're going to determine whether what was bequeathed to us is what we passed down or it's going to be something radically different. And your audience doesn't need to be told what it's going to be, how it's going to be different. You can see it every day. That's what's going to be and even worse. But not just that, in the whole history of homo sapiens or man we're now at an inflection point of transhumanism and artificial intelligence that within the lived experience of people in of the watching this in the next 10 20 years max 
you're going to be at a crossroads of the singularity. You're going to have Homo sapiens, you know, uh, made in the image and likeness of God and endowed by the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to have humanity 2.0. We're going to have to make huge decisions about that. As I think in artificial intelligence, we're going to be making decisions today. That's the stakes, and that's divine providence chose you to be in this veil of tears right now. So, and I don't think people have the. I think we'll be weighed and measured after that. And part of it is what you, what you contributed and what you did to, to, to fight this and preserve this great, you know, Ju the Judeo-Christian civilization that was bequeathed us has been for, you know, thousands of years. It's got to be preserved. If it's not preserved, we lost it on our watch. I want to get to the AI thing in a minute, but one of the things you said about us turning from a post-Christian culture into an anti-Christian culture, into an anti-Catholic, in, in a way, culture, the strange part is that's coming to a significant extent from those who call themselves Catholic. This country is run by devout Catholic Joe Biden, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the, the, but they're all calling themselves Catholic. In fact, Nancy goes on and on and on about how she's doing it for Catholic reasons. But those are the very people who will instigate the persecution that goes from white to red, as, as Father Altman always says, because they're serious about sicking the FBI on us and doing who knows what. If they go after Mark Houck, <laughs> peaceful father of seven kids, with little kids, with his little kids there and his wife while they go after him with guns, 25 of the FBI, that's insane. So how are we to make sense that these are devout, people who call themselves Catholic, and yet that's the anti-Catholic persecution that's coming. I, I think, to in their mind, I think they are devout to their interpretation of Catholicism. And and they're very, oh, I mean, not just the fact that they say they're devout, they're honored by the hierarchy of the church. So if you, if you believe in the institutional church, you know, it's 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 the it's the people at this dinner that are the the marginalia, right? You're 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 the you're the outsiders, the people that get the honors of the church. You know, I have I I miss my invitation to, to have a private audience of Pope Francis. I think you missed yours too, as did the people that in this dinner tonight. Nancy Pelosi is given the highest awards of the church and given private audiences with the Pope. Joe Biden, all the other, you know. Catholics and people question, well, how can they be Catholic? That is a, I think we have to come to a unpleasant realization that that is the dominant form of Catholicism, or at least a majority of Catholicism, and particularly the institutional uh, aspect of this, of the institutional church. And if you look at what's going on in the Vatican, if you read any of the books that's gone in the Vatican, you, you see how they handled the pedophile crisis. You look at what's happened here in the United States, you see the empty churches. It's, it's, this is not Steve Bannon saying that. I'm just saying the facts of parishes that are, you know, one-third full today. Um, you go to Italy or you go to England. You see these magnificent churches. You see all these great churches of Christopher, all these other great churches. All the churches are empty. You go to, you go to Rome, and it's the most magnificent churches. And, I mean, on every block, there's, there's, it's literally a work of art. These, these are, you know, have, have some of the greatest works of art when you walk in there. Not only the church is empty, when I say empty, I mean, you go to a Sunday Mass. I went to a Sunday Mass last time I was in Rome, and um, the, the, the church right by my hotel, there couldn't have been 
50 people. I think it was 9 o'clock. It was 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. When the high mass, but it was a regular, but it was not 6 o'clock. It was 9 or 10 o'clock. There couldn't have been 50, 75 people in the entire church. And at 60, I think it was a couple of years ago, so let's say at 67, I was the youngest person in the church. Now, now here's the thing. It was not the, 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 the priest who was, had a chance to spend a few minutes with me afterwards. A terrific, a great priest. I mean, he gave a very nice sermon. But he was from Nigeria. And I asked him afterwards, I said, how many Nigerian, he says, oh, I got guys from all over Africa because they're, they're having, they're actually having, uh, they're generating young priests. And he says, he, didn't, he said, I don't know any Italian, young Italian priest in the, so they're not, they're not getting any, they're not generating any priest. And you had one of the great uh, reporters here tonight at the dinner. She said, look, it's become a nihilistic society. This is, Italy shows you, and Rome shows you the collapse of this, the collapse of this civilization. And so that is the part that's the Nancy Pelosi. And look, I'm, I'm not here to opine on someone's faith. Their faith is between them and God. And Nancy Pelosi is, is, is in one aspect, a very devout Catholic, as Joe Biden is a, goes to church every Sunday and on one level is a very devout Catholic. And they are rewarded and honored by the hierarchy and basically in the church. But you look at the hierarchy of the church, what have they done? What have they done on the, the, the pedophile scandals? A disaster. It's cut out, you know, 50% of the wealth that was created or the assets that were created by hardworking people through generation after generation. And it's all been stripped away. The church, you know, they're losing so many buildings. They had to sell so much to pay for this. And you go and look at the records. Baltimore just put in a record the other day. You read it. You can't get, a, you can't get, there's a 400-page report, a 600-page report. You can't get 25 pages into the report and you can't take anymore. It's so horrendous. So... Now, there's another aspect of the church, another one that I think the Latin mass are more traditional, and it's treated as a, a stepchild, but I think that's getting to be robust, and I think it's getting to be a powerful, and I think that's part of Pope Benedict's, there's going to be a smaller, more lived Catholicism, but we've got many, many tough years ahead of us, right? And particularly as people are going to be ostracized. It's obvious now in this country you're going to start to be ostracized for your religion, and, and the Dobbs decision only made it only made that, raise that up to, to high relief. And so more and more of the people that are professed Catholics and professed Christians are gonna to have to keep that to themselves at work. And that's a very different change. You know, he's always had a stra strain of anti-Catholicism in, in the country from the know-nothings to, to even when President Kennedy ran. But, um, you know, it's been very minor, very minor compared to, to, to what's before us because now it's like the central thing of anti-Christianity. And we're, I think we live in a culture and society that is virulently anti-Christian and anti-Catholic. And that's coming at exactly the same time as this new advent of technocracy or the AI generation or this transhumanism advance into the next form of humanity, humans 2.0, as you said. Okay, so right now we see AI just with ChatGBT going forward. People know that you can now get them to write your essays. You can get them. One of the creators, Elon Musk even, talking about how the dangers that are right now before us are this form of AI can convince people in elections. We've already seen that a lot. Google's been doing that for years, slanting people's opinions on the election just by you know, giving people different search results. Where do you see that going? 
What do you see the progression as in terms of AI getting us to humans 2.0? We're only 100 days. I mean, ChatGPT was released at Davos on 15 January. We're doing this interview in, in the first couple of days of May. This is essentially 90 days or 100 days into this. Now, what we're finding is that the, the, just a thousand of the most prominent people in this area, including Elon Musk, just signed a declaration saying we should stop all research immediately for six months. The top people in the space. Now, what's important about that, there were a handful of people that did not sign that. That were the founders. I mean, the real brains, more than Musk and these guys. I'm talking about the, the guys that were the biggest thinkers in back of this, artificial intelligence. They didn't sign it because they said it didn't do enough. Oh yeah, they said it didn't do enough. In fact, one of the, the leaders said that if we do not stop immediately all research throughout the world and enforce it, that any of the computational centers, because really you have AI is the content, but then you have the, the pure muscle of a data center that can actually drive AI. He actually said that you should we should have missile strikes and take out the data centers. Oh yes. And 60 Minutes, they did 60 Minutes, I played a couple of times on, on the show, Proteins, which are the, the source of life and the, and the basic building blocks of life. I think there's 200 million proteins, of which we know almost nothing about, by the way. If all the great scientists have the real structure, the atomic and subatomic structure of proteins, we know almost nothing about. A PhD, the, one of the smartest, guy, the smartest guys in the world, these PhDs, with advanced computers, take five years to break down one protein. There's 200 million proteins. Break down one protein. Five years of their life doing nothing every day of the week but doing that. Artificial intelligence, DeepMind, the Google something, took five years to write the programs and to get AI on this. Took five years to write it. In a matter of seconds, would it take five years? In a matter of seconds, they were able to break down and totally map the protein. One billion years of PhD work, one billion years of PhD work on proteins were done in a matter of minutes. One billion years. This was CBS. And then they released that, the first time it's ever been released in human history. And it's advanced. But here's the problem. In artificial intelligence, the machine itself can start to, you can take those programs, you can take the proteins and start to recombine them and make biological and chemical weapons. In fact, they did a study, we just talked about it today with Joe on, on the show, that I think in Switzerland, they ran a test to see if it could be done. Now, they weren't really doing the biology of it, but they were doing it in the silicon base, but doing the mathematics in back of it. 47,000. In a matter of minutes, it created 47,000 new combinations of potential biological weapons. My point, and what these guys know, is that artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence can start to actually program itself. There are five areas of this. There's biotechnology, quantum computing, advanced chip design, okay, regenerative robotics, artificial general intelligence. Those industries are converging. CRISPR, all this, they're all converging with this massive research. Artificial intelligence getting the most um, publicity today because of what happened to GPT. But chat GPT and doing the homework, that's nothing. When they talk about that, forget it. That's, it's it's re, gonna redefine what is happening in education. That is nothing, zero, compared to what's to come. The convergence of these five, of quantum computing, artificial general intelligence, regenerative robotics, uh, CRISPR, and biotechnology, all of that converging 
onto one thing. That is what's called the singularity. At the singularity, on this side of this, on this side of it, is um, a homo sapien, a human being, made in the image or likeness of God. On the other side of that, and that other side is coming in 10 years, is humanity plus, mm -hmm. where God didn't make that, but man playing God made that. And we have no risk mitigation in this one, no zero risk mitigation. As, as, as Elon Musk, who's not really a doomsayer in this, he said this is 100 times, 100 times more dangerous than nuclear weapons. I think it's 1,000 times more dangerous. There's no risk mitigation. And we are literally building the Antichrist in the weapons laboratories, in the research universities, just in the United States. Forget what they're doing in China. Forget what they're doing in, in Eastern Europe. Forget what they're doing in North and South Korea. There are things going on right now that we can't even imagine the power of it. And that's happening. And that, I think, is going to engulf everybody in a very short period of time. Given that, it's not surprising that people say there's only a spiritual solution to any of this. What's your vision of the end uh, in terms of how we're called to get out of this? Because it, it, you believe, as do I, that our Lord is still in charge of human history. He is himself the ruler of the world, even though he's not regarded as such, but he is. Where do you see this? Well, I think we say, I think if you read the, and study, and I'm no scholar, and it, like I said, don't, don't take me as a moral example ever, or as a practitioner of the Catholicism. There are, you know, billions of people better. However, in my own simple way, when you read and study the Old Testament and the New Testament, divine providence, God, Jesus Christ, works through human agency and instrumentality in this sphere. And that's why, to me, it's everybody, you're called to do this. And you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. You got to, and it gets down to the basic things of, of, of subsidiarity, of taking back your community, of taking control of your community, taking control of your school boards. Don't let the kids be poisoned. Don't let your town be poisoned. Don't let these radicals take over your town, your community, your house of representatives in your states. Build it all. Get involved. Get involved. You have to get involved. Put the golf clubs up. Put the tennis rackets up. It's not that you have to live a life that's doesn't have enjoyment and fun. You can do all that stuff too, but dedicate yourself to something greater than yourself. Put your faith to work <coughs> and put it to faith. You're working your community. Start there and then get involved. If it's politics as you're calling or activism, but do something. If you take yourself and weaponize yourself and turn yourself into an instrument, right? And to use your agency and think, hey, when, when the time comes, when it's all over, I want to leave it all in the field. I don't want to look back in those last couple of seconds of my life and go, man, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. It's all done differently. Do it differently today. So when you're, because you're going to be weighed and measured on this. You just are. I mean, we're living in times people could say, hey, these are the end times. I don't know. Nobody knows. But what I know is that the, the man has created by his own hand weapons of science and technology that could make nuclear weapons, which could destroy the world easily, make nuclear weapons not even, I mean, between the biological weapons, artificial intelligence, chemical weapons, things have been created. We have the, we have the instrumentality to destroy life many times over. And so what is your calling to stop that? And what is your calling to make sure that we live, you know, that we can see the sunlit uplands ahead for future generations of what do we have to do today? So to me, it's, it's pretty simple.
not that complicated. <laughs> Steve Bannon, truly a tour de force. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you for the dinner. Thank you for honoring Bishop Schneider, one of the truly great heroes in the world today. And he called you that same thing. No, you're, you're, look, you, you guys have done an incredible job. And uh, I know the pressure you're under. Are you back on YouTube? You still, you got your YouTube still canceled? See, yeah, this I'm saying, of, of course he's still canceled, but, but no, but this is for, for the audience. The struggle of these guys every day to do it, to put out great content, and then to build, and you've had it done twice. It is, first off, it is a sign of their spirit and determination to say, okay, I'm going to do it. It's like Sisyphus rolling the stone up the hill. To do that and to have those type of audiences and taken away from you is soul crushing. And they want it to be soul crushing. Remember, YouTube is Google. Google's deep mind. I just talked about the proteins. Those are the deep mind guys. They and they they, oh yeah, we did this great thing for humanity. Yeah, you did a great thing for humanity. And that on a scale of from here is fantastic. You really did a great thing. But when you opened up humanity too for its total and complete destruction with no power to stop it, is like a thousand times worse than that. And you should we should have risk mitigation. Those are the exact same guys. That's the exact same mentality, and that's the people we're letting make decisions. That would twice say, think about it for a second. The same company said that's okay doing that, saying, oh, look at these guys here. They're talking about life. They're talking about, you know, boy, they're, they're bad guys. They're evil guys. Let's shut them down. Let's shut them down here. And the reason they're shutting you down, they understand your content's terrific. You understand your content's reaching people. Your content's changing. I mean, look what happened in the Dobbs decision. If it wasn't for you guys, that would have never happened. It would have never happened. And they know that. And let me be blunt. I am far from perfect. He's far from perfect. Trump's far from perfect. Many of the people we were are far from perfect, as we all are. But those people are evil. They are evil. So it's pretty simple. That's evil. And we're not perfect, but we're not evil. And so you have a decision. It's a very simple decision. Am I going to just sit here and go along with my life and pretend that evil is not in our country and spreading like a virus and it is encapsulating the world and I'm just going to go and just live my life and just be myself and, you know, hopefully I get through this. You'll be weighed and measured on that, I believe, in my own simple belief. You're going to be weighed and measured at the end. Bishop Snyder says something. He quoted somebody today. It was very powerful. It, when uh, the guy was being attacked or you know, the priest was being attacked and he said, he told Bishop Snyder, don't worry about what they say about you in your lifetime. Every day of your life, spend it and worry about what they're going to say about you 100 years from now. You live your life like that and fight evil. And the people that shut you down are the same evil, can I say this on LifeSide News? Bastards. Bastards. <laughs> He's going to have to say another rosary. He's going to have to say another rosary. Did I tell you it was not that church? No. No, they are. Because, and, and here's what, for the audience, just remember, that is soul crushing. When you work at these organizations and get some traction, and you've had two huge odds, I think you had 350000 the first time and almost a million, that is soul crushing. Because you got to go, oh my God, I got to go and start all over again and build it up person by person by, you know, person. They want it to be soul crushing. And Who's going to win are the warriors that just said they go, you know what, we're going to do this again. But one day, we're going to have the power to shut them down. And we will shut them down. And the reason is they're evil. And you're good.
Great honor. Bannon. Thanks. God bless you. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect.